episode 76 of the State of the Old Republic podcast was originally recorded on May 7th, 2018. It's the State of the Old Republic podcast. on the show, after a delay, and then after another delay, Game Update 5.9 is finally here. I'll talk about the math of a flashpoint, new augments, new achievements, and I'll give you my spoilerific review of the Nathema Conspiracy. Also this week, I continue my story project as the eight heroes come to the end of Act 1. Alderaan's not far away, it's about ten minutes away. And with that, it's time to make the jump to light speed and check out the state of the Old Republic. Well, welcome to episode 76 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and as you heard in the opening, I have another great show lined up for you today. As always, let's start with some announcements for the Old Republic. First up, a little trivia for you. This past Friday was May the 4th also known as Star Wars Day, also known as a good excuse to spend money on Star Wars merchandise, as if you ever needed one. While May the 4th as a Star Wars holiday is a recent phenomenon, a 21st century creation, the phrase, May the 4th be with you, dates all the way back to 1979. We know this because a man named Alan Arnold wrote a book called Once Upon a Galaxy, A Journal of the Making of the Empire Strikes Back. This was published in 1980, after Empire was released. The book was written as a diary of sorts, chronicling the important events related to the making of the film on the dates they happened. Here is the excerpt from his book from May 4th, 1979. Margaret Thatcher has won the election and become Britain's first woman prime minister. To celebrate her victory, her party took out a half-page advertisement in the London Evening News. Their message, referring to the day of victory, was, May the 4th be with you, Maggie. Congratulations. Further proof to the extent at which Star Wars has influenced us all. May 4th, 1979 may not have been the beginning of Star Wars Day, but it was the first known occurrence of a silly pun on the franchise's signature catchphrase. May the 4th has come and gone, and in keeping with tradition of the Star Wars holiday, Bioware once again gave us another astromech pet, the M4Y7. You should be receiving that in another day or two. And while it's too late to still get the pet, it was just one of several events happening in honor of May the 4th. There is a double XP event going on, which will end on May 11th. There is a new subscriber reward coming to the game. If you subscribe to the game before May 31st, you'll receive the F4 Rampage Speeder. Popular on the black market, this industrial mining vehicle boasts heavy armor and aggressive engines that can easily be modified to be a rapid attacked craft making it the perfect vehicles for criminals on the run. The speeder will be delivered to those who qualify on June 7th. And if that weren't enough, there is currently a half-off collection unlock sale going on right now. You can unlock mounts, armor sets, weapons, and more for all characters on your account for half the price. I had some spare coins and unlocked a bunch of color crystals. The sale will end on May 14th. And finally, the Nightlife event is returning on May 22nd. 
Given that there were new rewards for last year, I suspect that there won't be any new rewards this time around. No word on how long the event will last, but it will probably end when the July update goes live. That's all the announcements that I have. Let's slice the holonet and get to the news this week. The big news is the release of Game Update 5.9, Anathema Conspiracy. I'm going to talk about the story, and I'm going to do it in a very spoilerific way, but I'm going to wait until the end of the show to do it. I'll cover everything else for Game Update 5.9, and then I'll jump into my story project, and then the last thing I'll do right before the outro is talk about the Anathema Conspiracy story. I'll also give you another spoiler warning so you have ample time to stop listening if you haven't played the story. Now, the story was told through a new Flashpoint, which overall was pretty good compared to Umbara and Capero. I think I like this one the best, at least in terms of solo mechanics, if you will. I love that they didn't just recycle the old landscape, but used the story to create a valid reason for giving us an environment that was new and green and lush. There are plenty of breathtaking vistas, so you'll want to take it slow at first and grab some nice screenshots. Combined, Umbara, Comparo, and Nathama make for a nice trio of flashpoints. There is a lot of nice loot, including an armor set, decorations, and a companion. There are plenty of reasons to keep running this over and over. And then, of course, there are the schematics for the new augments, which apparently are dropping fairly regularly from story mode, albeit randomly. So it looks like story mode may be a good source for these schematics. As to whether it is a bug or intended, here's what Keith Tannig said about it. Hey y'all, the drop rate for the schematics is intended, and we don't have any plans to lower it unless you tell us otherwise. As for the augments themselves, they require double the mats of the ones from Capero and are only marginally better. I believe that the stat breakdown makes it possible to reach 109.99% accuracy with a stem and five augments, so it does give you a few points to play around with. Keep in mind, the real benefit of these new augments comes into play when everyone in your group has them. One person with these super augments probably isn't going to win the day, but when 8 and 16 people have them, then you can move mountains. And as a reminder, you can now get the materials to craft the augments from large and medium yield planets in Conquest. And speaking of Conquest, there were a variety of Conquest changes, which I'm not going to cover today. They're out there, and it didn't seem to break anything releasing them in the middle of a Conquest week. There was an achievement added to get Darth Hexed. You can find it under Feats of Strength. It's called, with a little help from my friends, and it requires you to complete 40 group finder activities. It can be a mix of flashpoints, uprisings, war zones, operation, and GSF, and it also rewards 20 cartel coins. Darth Hexed wasn't the only companion people noticed was on offer. Players found a hidden achievement for a companion named Paxton. Some folks went through all the hoops of completing it, only to end up not getting the companion. As to why that is, here's what Charles Boyd said on the forums. Paxton is a tricksy pirate who's prone to mischief, apparently including sneaking into parts of the galaxy he's not supposed to be in yet. He's a work-in-progress promotional item meant for later this year. Apologies for letting him creep out from behind the curtain before he was ready. We'll most likely get him back under wraps in an upcoming patch and then share more detail later when the time is right. So that's it for Game Update 5.9, which went live on May Third, I now want to continue with my story project that I started on what seems like a lifetime ago. 
What I'm attempting to do is play all eight classes and move them through their class, companion, and planetary stories all at once. The goal is to find a playthrough that works chronologically. I'm not going for canon. I'm also not doing every single side quest or bonus series. I've gotten through most of the first chapter for everybody, which covers a lot of planets, and now I'm closing in on the end of Act 1. Before I begin, I want to warn you that I'm going to get into spoilers and plot points and play some clips. So if you haven't done all of the class stories or other stories that are part of the 1 to 50 experience, this is your cue to exit. For the rest of you, I want to start with a brief recap of the story. And just as a reminder, I'm going to refer to the characters as he or she based on the gender I chose for my characters. It just makes it easier to talk about them. There is absolutely nothing about the story that suggests you must choose a specific gender for a class, although there are certain story moments that you can only experience as male or female, and some of them are quite good. Here is the story thus far for the Republic. The Jedi Knight is tracking down Republic superweapons that have fallen into the hands of Darth Angrel and the Sith Empire. The Jedi Consular is searching for Jedi Masters who are afflicted with a Sith plague created by an ancient Sith Lord named Tarek Morhaj. The smuggler is on the galaxy's greatest treasure hunt as he traded smuggled goods for spaceship parts that will allow him to find the lost treasure of Nock Drayen. And finally, the Republic Trooper is trying to find the old members of Havoc Squad who defected to the Empire. And for the Empire, the Sith Warrior is on a desperate search to find the Padawan of Nomen Kar, an old rival of the Warrior's master, Darth Barriss. The Sith Inquisitor is traveling the galaxy, collecting artifacts that once belonged to the revered Sith Lord, Tulak Horde. The Inquisitor's master, Lord Zash, needs these artifacts to perform a mysterious ritual. The Bounty Hunter is tracking targets in the Great Hunt and taking out her rivals along the way. Soon it will just be her and the nefarious Taro Blood competing for the title of Champion. Finally, the Imperial Agent is attempting to dismantle a terrorist cell led by a man called the Eagle, the Eagle is responsible for the assassination of Darth Jadis, a powerful member of the Dark Council. That's the story thus far. The journey now takes us to the storied planet of Alderaan, where the royal houses find themselves embroiled in civil war. Alderaan is the final planet that everyone goes to before ending Act 1. The planet itself isn't the conclusion to Act 1. All eight heroes have off-world actions that bring an end to the first chapter. I'm going to talk about that as well as Alderaan. There is a recommended play order for Alderaan, which is Smuggler, Bounty Hunter, Republic Trooper, Imperial Agent, Sith Warrior, Jedi Knight, Sith Inquisitor, and Jedi Consular. And like many of the planets that came before it, you can pretty much throw this order out the window as it doesn't matter all that much. I do like the smuggler going before the bounty hunter. The reason for this is that the smuggler delivers the head of Darth Bandon to House Ald. In the bounty hunter story, the hunter visits the Ald Museum, and there in the museum is a head in a jar. It's not labeled, but it is the same artwork used for the head of Darth Bandon. It's inconclusive whether or not it's supposed to be the head that was delivered by the smuggler, but it's cool to think that it is. Keep in mind that Skavik actually delivers a fake head to House Ald before the smuggler arrives. 
it's possible that the head in the museum is actually the fake head. If that's the case, then the smuggler going first doesn't really matter. One argument against the head in the museum being the head of Darth Bandon is this conversation from the smuggler's story. Alderaan's current king is of the Ulgo family bloodline, and he reveres his ancestor Trask. The remains of Trask's murderer will be the perfect peace offering to our king. House Alda must have your head, uh, so to speak. As you can see from that conversation, the head wasn't intended to sit in the Ald Museum. Take it for what it's worth, but this is one of the things people point to as a potential chronological marker for Alderaan. The only other thing that dictates an order, or has an order, I should say, is the final part of the planetary story arc for the Republic and the Empire. The final part of the planetary story is the same for both the Republic and the Empire. You face off against Boris Ulgo and either kill him or arrest him. You'll have to choose one character to do this, and it should be the last thing you do on Alderaan. As far as who should do it, I don't think it matters all that much. So that's really it for Alderaan. After that, everyone goes and finishes Act 1, and again, there is no real order involved there. Each of the stories is self-contained, and everyone starts Act 2 around the same time. Granted, some characters are given some time off, but I don't think that affects much. As far as the endings themselves, most are pretty straightforward, and all of them are good. The Jedi Knight defeats Darth Ongrel and eliminates the threat of the superweapons. Along the way, he loses his master, Orgus Din. Before that happens, we are treated to one of the great moments in the entire game, and one that solidifies the relationship the knight has with Orgus. Taking down that Killick leader must have been quite a fight. Thing was huge. Master, I, I don't know what you're talking about. The giant Killick uh, leading these others. You didn't see it? That thing eats us. You're fired. The Jedi Consular learns that Lord Vivicar is in fact Partanus Tark, the Jedi that the Masters who were afflicted by the plague left behind on Malachor III. Turns out that Lord Vivicar is really the ancient Sith Lord Tarek Moraj. His spirit is using Partanus' body as a vessel. The Consular defeats Moraj and is named Barsinthor of the Jedi Order, a very prestigious title. The Smuggler discovers that Nock Drain is still alive. He was the man in Carbonite that the smuggler has been carrying around in his ship this whole time. The smuggler also learns that Risha is the daughter of Nock. Anyway, the smuggler gets the treasure and the girl. Oh, and he gets rid of Skavik. The trooper locates Tavis, the final missing member of Havoc Squad, and brings him in for justice. On the Empire side, the Sith warrior locates Jason Wilson. He defeats her master, Noman Carr, and then recruits her to his team, Note you have the option of turning her to the dark side, which I prefer, or having you, or having her join you as a light side companion. The bounty hunter ultimately wins the great hunt and defeats Terrell Blood. As an additional bonus, you're named an honorary Mandalorian. The Sith Inquisitor gathers all of the artifacts and meets Lord Zash in the Dark Temple, where she is to perform her ritual. Turns out that Zash is really old and really ugly. The ritual will transfer Zash's spirit into the Inquisitor's body. The Inquisitor's spirit will in turn be forced out. Thanks to the heroics of Kem Val, the ritual goes horribly wrong, and Zash finds her spirit transferred to Kem, and Kem is still there too. It's one of my favorite all-time moments in this game. 
apprentice? What have you done to me? Why couldn't you just hold still for a few moments longer? Why couldn't you call your monster off? I need to learn that ritual. That monster broke through my defenses, interrupted my concentration, diverted the entire ritual. Five years of preparation, finding the right person, training them, researching the artifacts, gathering them, wasted! You were my legacy, my one chance to defeat death! You fool! You have ruined everything! The most complex ending is the Imperial Agents. The Agent discovers that Darth Jadis is, in fact, alive. When you confront him, you have the option to join him. If you do, you become the Hand of Jadis. Now, I chose this option, although it's one I don't care for. But if you do, you'll get an additional mission or two as the story progresses, and one of them on Hoth actually mixes with the Jedi Knight story. I'll point that out when we get to Hoth, because it's actually kind of cool. So that's going to do it for Alderaan in Act 1. I probably won't start Act 2 next week. I want to take advantage of the double XP event that's going on and get these new characters a little leveled up. I now want to get into the Nathema Conspiracy story. If you haven't done the story, now is a good time to say goodbye. If you have done the story, but maybe are waiting to do it on other characters so you can see how some of the different choices play out, now is the good time to say goodbye. For everyone else, let's talk about the Nathema Conspiracy. The Order has nearly finished their final preparations. Once they activate Zildra, it's the end of the Alliance. Innocent people don't have to die. Stop this now and we can save lives. Zildra will not be stopped! The Alliance will fall! I thought the story was great, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. The story was written by former Bioware employee Sam Walshlager, who was observing things on Twitter and had this to say on the day 5.9 went live. I'm literally tearing up at seeing everyone's reactions to Nathema. It was the most difficult thing I've ever written, and I poured my entire soul into it, and seeing y'all enjoy it is making my heart grow three sizes. Overall, the reactions to the story have been positive. I thought it was a fitting conclusion to not only the Iocath storyline, but the whole Knights of story as well. It had everything you could hope for. There was truly something for everyone, and we were given a lot of control over the outcome of this story. If you hated Theron Shan, there was something for you. If you loved Theron Shan, there was something for you. If you loved Theron Shan and then decided at the last minute that you hated him, there was something for you. There were happy endings, and there were sad endings. There were big reveals. We learned that Theron Shan didn't betray us, but was working deep undercover. We learned that Zildrog was the gravestone. And if that weren't enough, we also learned this about Zildrog. Zildrog awakens. So Zildrog destroyed Nathema and not Vitiate slash Valkorion? Well, kind of, sort of. This was one of the questions that came up, and here is what Charles Boyd had to say about it on Twitter. 
He, meaning Valcorian, used an implement to do the killing for him as part of the ritual, just like he used armies to do the killing for him in the night story. We merely revealed that first implement. It wasn't involved in the same way past that. Players also took to the forums on this. While Charles didn't give another explanation there, he confirmed what they were saying, and here is what one player speculated on the forums. Now, this is just conjecture based on my own interpretations, but based on the Jedi Knight story, the ritual to consume the life in the galaxy required two things. A certain amount of death over a certain time in a huge amount of death in a short time, probably creating a disturbance in the Force which Vitiate can use to feed or something. On Zyost, his spirit controls beings he then uses to kill other beings, then possess more. It's a cycle until I think it reaches a point where he's able to consume the planet. And someone went on further to suggest, Force Ritual and the use of Zildrog aren't necessarily excluding one another. Even if Vitiate used a particular means to end people's lives, I think he would still need to perform a ritual in order to catch the spirits of the dead. And again, Charles basically confirmed what these players were saying is in fact true. One of the other big surprises is that there was something specific for each class in this story. Although Zildrog is a machine, he needs fuel to run, specifically organic fuel. There are three individuals who will serve as fuel for Zildrog. The first victim is based on whether or not you killed Senya in Knights of the Eternal Throne. You make that decision in Chapter 1, by the way. If you kept Senya alive, then you'll see a Nautilin named Chila Neus. Otherwise, you'll see a former Zakul knight named Zira. The second victim is based on the choice you make at the end of Knights of the Eternal Throne. If you opted for peace, then you'll see Darth Mortis, who is a former Dark Council member. If you choose to be a dictator, you'll see Indozal, who was a close aide to Valen and the one who helped you infiltrate her party on Zakul. The third victim is based on your class. If you are a light side Jedi Knight, you'll see Servant One, a former Hand of the Emperor. If you're a dark side Jedi Knight, then you'll see Kira's former Jedi Master, Bella Kawix. If you're a light side Jedi Counselor, you'll see Sophia Farash, who is a former child of the Emperor. If you're a dark side Jedi Counselor, you'll see Gaiden Ko, who you worked with on Voss. If you're a light side smuggler, you'll see Nexia Kirill, who is the daughter of the Void Wolf. If you're a dark side smuggler, you'll see Jedi Master Sumali, who you worked with on Corellia. If you're a Republic trooper incited with the Republic on Iocath, you'll see Imperial General Esseth, who is an associate of General Rakton. If you sided with the Empire, you'll see General Garza. I like Garza, so I guess I'm never siding with the Empire on the trooper. If you're a Sith warrior and you spared Darth Barriss' life, and nobody spares Darth Barriss' life, he'll be the third victim. Otherwise, you'll get Darth Ravage, another former Dark Council member. By the way, not that anyone is keeping track, except for everyone who plays the game, that's a lot of former Dark Council members who aren't Darth Asena, who is the only Council member that was thought to survive Zakul's invasion. Right, Lana? Darth Asena was the only Dark Council member left standing. All others died or disappeared in the chaos. Thank you. If you are a Sith Inquisitor and you chose to imprison Darth Zash in the Mind Tomb, you'll see Darth Zash. If instead you chose to imprison Kem Val, you'll see Kem Val. 
I thought that one was pretty cool, and it doesn't mean that Kem Val is gone, by the way. If you're a bounty hunter and you chose to kill Chancellor Janaris, you'll see his widow, Malia Janaris. Otherwise, you'll get Lord Vindus, who is an apprentice of Darth Tormund. And finally, if you're an Imperial agent and you sided with the Empire on Iokath, you'll see SIS director Marcus Trant, who appeared in the Old Republic Lost Sons comic book series, as well as the novel Annihilation. He's not actually appeared in the game until now. Now, if you chose to side with the Republic on Iokath, then the third victim will be none other than Shara Jen, a.k.a. Watcher 2. That one is rough. She is a favorite character of mine, especially after what she went through on Rishi. There is no way I'm ever siding with the Republic on an Imperial agent. I think I might have gone with Keeper for this one. I thought it was very cool having these class-specific moments. Some are better than others, but the fact that they exist at all is awesome. So one of the last things I want to cover with Anathema Conspiracy is Lana and Theron. No matter what you felt about Theron, the story had you covered and put you in control of what happens. If you can't forgive Theron for what he's done, you're given the choice to let him rot and die. We don't have much time. Unless we get Theron to a destiny, he won't make it. Traitors aren't welcome in the Alliance. Leave him. If we walk away, he dies. I gave my orders, Lana. Commander! Call a shuttle. We're going home. What you can't tell that's going on there is the scene cuts to Satil Shan, who senses Theron's death through the Force. If you made this choice, there's a good chance it might stick. Now, if you let Theron live, you are given a couple of choices on what happens next. If you choose to forgive and forget, you get this scene. Well, like you've ever taken a break in your life. Theron. It's, uh, it's been a while since I was last in this room. It's good to be back. Look, I know I put you through hell. I was reckless and stupid, and it almost cost us everything. I saw the bounty you put on me. I know I screwed up. I did it to protect you and the Alliance. And, if you'll have me, I'll work hard to earn a place at your side. So, what do you say? Are we still a team? You risked your life for us. There's always a place for you here. <sighs> I don't know what I would have done if you'd said no. <laughs> I have a lot of making up to do, but I'm here to stay, no matter what. If you are not in the forgiving mood, then you get this scene. What do you say? Are we still a team? Even if it was a lie, your betrayal felt too real. I don't think I can trust you again. I, uh... I understand. I'd probably feel the same in your shoes. I'll pack my things. <laughs> Assuming Lana didn't burn them ages ago. And if you romanced either Theron or Lana and are still in the loving mood, you get the whole marriage proposal option. Like I said, 
something for everyone. Now you might be wondering with all of these choices surrounding Theron, how might he factor into the next part of the story? And there is a next part of the story coming. Here's what Charles Boyd had to say about that on the forums. For those asking earlier, Theron definitely isn't out of the story. We may not focus on him and Lana as heavily as we have in the past. This storyline in particular really focused on all three of you, for example. But no plans for them to go anywhere anytime soon, unless it's the result of a choice that's offered. I'm personally big fans of Lana and Theron. They, along with our character, are the big three of Star Wars The Old Republic. The Han, Luke, and Leia. The Rey, Finn, and Poe. The Anakin, Padme, and Obi-Wan. I think Lana summed it up best when she said this. The Alliance may change, but we're not going anywhere. Everything is different now. But whatever the future holds for us, the three of us will face it. Together. That concludes the Nathema Conspiracy and Knights of the Fallen Empire and Eternal Throne. So what's next? Well, once again, at the end of the story, we were given a choice to side with either the Empire or the Republic. That's the second time we've been given that choice as part of this story, so I can only imagine that it will stick this time. We also know from interviews that the story will shift back to the conflict between the Empire and the Republic, but it may be a little different from what we've come to expect. Charles Boyd stated on Twitter, The next step in your character's journey will be pretty different from the last couple of years, and I'm really excited about sharing more about this new story and its characters, both new and old. A little ways down the road. Story remains one of my favorite parts of this game, and I can't wait to see what comes next. And speaking of what comes next, let me let you get to whatever is next in your day. And with that, let me cut in the sublight engines and cue the music and congratulate you on surviving another half hour listening to episode 76 of the State of the Old Republic podcast. I'm your host, Ted, and I thank you for tuning in. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, YouTube, and Buzzsprout. You can also listen to the show directly from the show's site, which is SotorPodcast.com. And there is an RSS feed where you can subscribe to the podcast directly. If you have a question for the show, you can email me at SotorPodcast at gmail.com. You can also tweet your questions to me at at SotorPodcast or send me a direct message. And be sure to follow me on Twitter to get the latest information on the show. Look for episode 77, probably on or around May 15th. Until then, remember the Sith Code, Kate is alone.